Noisy sound effects. Noisy sound effects. Hello. Plunking and thudding and banging. No. And clicking and critters. scratching and. Yeah, all of that. Hello. Hello. I'd better say hello and just stop rambling about noise. Welcome around the virtual campfire, lovely listeners. Hello. Come and squidge in. Especially you lovely new folks. Come on in. If you're with us for the first time, hail and welcome. Well met. Welcome to the 45th episode of Frithcast. 45th? I was nearly... Yeah, I had to really think about that because there were lots of... Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember to save my life. I remember last... Time it was 44, so I probably could have worked it out if I'd yeah. sat and thought. I know, but it's, a, it's a tricky one. It is. It's a tricky one. virtual campfire if you're a regular listener you will know that every nine episodes we do story time story time and this being a multiple of nine being 45 today is story time wait hang on 45 is a multiple of nine is it okay i know i can't do math i think it is hang on hang on hang on Okay. I think I'm still recording. I'm not sure. Okay. 45 divided by 9 equals 5. Yes. It is divided by 9. Yes. To give 5. So, so it's a multiple of 9. <clears throat> it is an integer. So therefore you can tell a story. Therefore you can take tablets. <laughs> you can probably take, story, take ta- stories. You can take stories. <laughs> you can take stories as well. Take three of these stories and call me in the morning. I'll, I will gladly do so. I love a good story. <laughs> so, Especially those... one late at night. And that too. Because it is late at night because we're in the mystical forest. We are. Around the crackling campfire. We are. Anyway. Okay. So um, yes, uh, it, it, you know, late at night. Yes. Uh, because it's getting up towards that date, mm-hmm. you know, which some, some may recognise as Halloween, some as Savine, some as other things. Yes. The Roman jury is out as to whether we celebrate Lemuria or Lemuralia in uh, the end of October, yeah. along with all the other sort of festivals of the, of the departed. Yeah. Or whether we should do it in May like they used to originally. I personally... I'm inclined to put it at the end of October because everybody else is doing a similar thing. So, you know. Anyway, the point I was going to make was that's why you can hear spooky ghosts in the woods. You probably can't. It depends whether I can be bothered to find any decent sound effects. <laughs> I, ooh, I think we did. We, we did. did. We did. We did this last time. We did. We did. We did spooky ooh, stories last ooh, time at Airbigger Saga. Yes, we did because there was the Wacker Seal. Mm. The whack-a-mole seal with a hammer. Whack-a-mole ghost seal. With a sledgehammer. There was. Dr. Venkman never thought that one up, did he? He probably never crossed his little 1980s mind. Plinking on that piano. (laughs) 
So do, do go on. Thank you. Welcome to episode forty-five of Frithcast. Hello. Hello. I'm Suzanne. Hello, Suzanne. Um, Hello. I'm Kate. Um, Hurrah! Well I, met. I'm I'm married to you. Um, really? To Suzanne, that is not you, listener. I mean, I'm you know unless it, unless it's Suzanne listening to it, in which anyway, I'm confused. Um, I'm ju- I'm just some some passing idiot. So I'll. Leave it at that. I think you'll find you're the coffee power druid. <laughs> and, and, and that, yes. I think you'll find you're you are famous for being the coffee, coffee power druid. Oh, one throwaway line and suddenly I've got a hoodie. You have. <laughs> Title and everything. <laughs> so we'd like to do because it's episode forty time for there. I'm gonna start that again. Do it again, we can always edit it out or okay. leave it in for fun. <laughs> leave everything else in for fun, <laughs> so why not this one? So this is episode 45. We'd like to do a bit of story time. And this is one of the stories from the myth cycle. Is it a happy story? No. For a given definition of happy. No, probably not even for a given definition of happy. Buddies and flowers and everybody lives happily ever after. Not quite. I was hoping for a happy story. Yeah, no, not, not this one. Oh, well. This one's... Possibly, it's blood and go- blood and gore and, and 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 horrible nastiness and people dying and 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 yeah. isn't it? Because it's basically Norse mythology. Yeah, it's that. Right. Okay. Fine. <clears throat> so now we've got that ironed out. The story that I would like to tell you. No bunnies for me. No bunnies for you. <laughs> <laughs> the story this is, that I would like to tell good, you. From this is good <laughs> coffee. <laughs> from the mid cycle. Is the binding of Loki. Not to be confused with the binding of Isaac, which is a very different thing. It's a computer game, sorry. Okay. So, this is a story that happens close to the end of the myth cycle. Okay. This is one uh, about... I don't know, about three quarters of the way through, give or take, maybe a bit more than that. Alrighty. And this occurs... uh, One of the big twist points in the mid-cycle is the death of Baldur. Yes. And uh, rightly or wrongly, Loki is blamed for that. Uh, okay. I'm, 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 <clears throat> I'm withholding my natural tendency to be terribly judgmental. Yes. Well, he's... This story opens when he's on the run after Baldur's death and Baldur's funeral. Okay. Loki runs. And this, the the story of the binding of Loki is what happens when the gods catch up with them. Right. If you're gonna, if you're planning on spaghetti at any point today, (laughs) don't. Maybe listen to this another day. That doesn't sound promising. (laughs) Or do something else that doesn't involve squiggly things and red sauce. (coughs) Um, (laughs) I'm looking forward to this one. I thought you might. So this story is one that fits between. Baldur's death and his funeral and the beginning of the Ragnarok. Okay. And this is what happens when the gods catch up with with Loki. Right. And to say that they are mildly ticked off is somewhat of an understatement. Yeah. Well, you know, he did... He did do a wrong thing. He did, yeah. Kind of engineered it so that somebody else did a wrong thing. 
Yeah, well, yes, that's that's true. That's uh, that's actually worse, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was the agency through which the wrong thing was accomplished. Yes. Uh, but whether that makes him uh, a nithing, an oathbreaker, a, a bad thing, or whether that's just change happening, the that's, system changing. That's the problem with trickster gods, isn't it? Because in the really end, is. <clears throat> this is the sort of thing they have to do in order to fulfil their, their function as part of nature. Yes. So he flees... Asgard, mm-hmm. and he comes down. He actually comes here. Okay, and he finds uh, a, a likely hidey out place. There's a, a waterfall, and a river, and a mountain, mm. and he decides that he's going to make himself a little space part way up the mountain so that he can see down the valley and see everybody coming. Okay. He builds himself a house. It's not even a hall. Okay. It's just a low house that nobody can really see unless you're looking for it. He builds it very, very low and very, very out of sight. And he builds it with four doorways okay. so that he can see in every direction to check if anybody's coming. Yeah, makes sense. And I don't know, if I put myself in, in his shoes on that in that moment, I can imagine that he's very lonely. Mm. He's very frightened. He's very panicked. He's very on edge that all of the gods of Asgard are mobilising to come after him, to chase him. Yeah. And every one of them is finding their way out of Asgard and mobilising their their units, their forces to come, mm-hmm. to come find him. I can't imagine what's going through his mind in that moment. I can't get my head into that space that I would want to build myself a shelter and be able to see every direction because these gods are powerful. Yeah. And I am the one, the only thing in their sights right now is, is quite a feeling. It's a bad place to be. Yeah. So to take his mind off events, he changes shape and he changes shape into a salmon. Okay. And he basically swims in the river during the day and then goes back into his little house them in the evenings mm. he knows at that point that it's not a matter of if but when okay the gods will find him and track him down heimdall can see everything to mm. start mm. with so he's feeling very hunted do you remember the episode we did where we talked about tricks trickster gods and we talked about him being the hunter and the hunted at the same time yes this is part of that okay so while he's in his his little house that he's built for himself with the doors that face in all directions. He has an idea that he changes into a salmon and he wants to catch fish, so he creates something to help him do that. Mm. He creates a net. Okay. And he's, you know, messing about with little bits of twine till he creates this fine mesh to go catch fish with. He's kind of paradoxically the hunter and the hunted at the moment. Okay. In the same thing and he's creating the thing that he feels that will catch him Mm -hmm. and he at that moment hears the gods coming into the valley so quickly he throws the net onto the fire and burns it away and then runs to the riverside and dives in and and makes himself a salmon Mm. becomes a salmon so loki as salmon is now in the river okay 
and the gods come up the valley and find his little knight in hidey hole and Kvasir looks at the ash and realises that there's a very very fine mesh pattern in the white ash on mm. the fire where this net has been burned Okay. so they create something that looks exactly like it alright and then realise that Loki is probably shape changed and because he's made a net he's probably shape changed into a fish Okay. so he creates the thing that destroys him which is a really kind of odd little time loop to have in the middle of these stories yeah but we know we know this uh, uh, myth cycle is cyclical it really is well this is kind of like a little cycle inside the bigger cycle yeah so like, uh, what do they call them <clears throat> them little arty toys spirograph spirograph yes yeah. yeah spirographs possibly tm i don't know <laughs> probably tm <laughs> So Thor takes the net and wanders into the river and starts herding the salmon downstream past okay. all the gods so they can see if they can see Loki as salmon in, in mm. with the other fish. And they can't because Loki's hidden on the bottom of the river and the net passes over the top of him. Right. So he doesn't get caught, he doesn't have to move. He's quite happily just chilling out on the bottom of the river as a salmon. Mm. So the gods think, could do with a little bit of improvement, this funny looking net thing. So they weight the bottom edge of it with stones. Okay. And they have one group of gods on the bank and Thor wades the other end out and starts herding the fish. Mm. And Loki is is like, uh-oh. That's a bit awkward, that one. Slightly more of a problem. Mm. So he decides he's a salmon. He's going to do the jumping thing and jumps over the top of the net and into the deeper pool at the other end so he doesn't get herded down with the other fish. Fair dues. I was going to say, I'd have just legged it off down the river, finned it, whatever, down the river. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I admit, I don't know the layout of the uh, said watercourse or the uh, physical capabilities of salmon, apart from that they can jump. Yeah, That's well, basically. Loki as salmon jumps, okay. jumps over the top of the net Lands back in the deep part of the river, goes, thank you very much, I'm going to stay here now. This I'm is off. my little space. I'm off, and the gods are like, alrighty then. Mm. So they're like, okay, we can't use an unweighted net because he goes under it. We can't use a weighted net because he goes over it. We've got to come up with plan the three. Rocket launcher? Yeah, no, not quite rocket launcher. Stick of dynamite! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have any dynamite. Okay. Decide to go with... A slightly adapted plan. So you've got two groups of gods on either bank and they've spread the net out with the weight on where the weight's on the bottom between them and they drop it in the back of the pool under the waterfall and they walk it forwards. Mm. And behind the net, Thor's wading in the water. Now I can imagine at this point he's taken his boots off and he's rolled his trouser legs up and he's wading through the river Getting completely drenched. The trouble is, I'm His red hair's going all frizzy and it's not going to, you know, it's going to take some serious conditioner to come back from this. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the, I can't see anything except Chris Hemsworth's spandex. This is not a bad image. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is not entirely 
unpalatable. Yeah. Listeners, we're, we're just going to pause here for a yeah, second or two and, and, and process that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've definitely yeah, got that image okay. in my head. Okay, so you've got an image, two sets of gods, net getting pushed forwards, Loki as salmon is now getting trapped on the wrong side of the net, thinks, aha, we've played this game before, I shall just engineer the same tactic and do the jumping thing. Yeah. I can do that. They're not, Easy. you know, piece of cake. Done it already. Done it already. Proved I can do it. Know what I'm doing, can do it again. And it's, Thank you very much. And it's not like they're going to have changed anything. No. I'm so the clever one. He decides to, to, to do the salmon, you know, swim hard as he can at the net, leap over the top of it, nice big rainbow arc in the sunshine, and gets his tail caught. Oh. By a big red-headed mountain strider that just happens to be oh, stood there. Oh, no. And Thor... Oh, that's bad. ...grabs hold of his tail and doesn't let go. Mm. And really doesn't let go, which is... One of the understandings why salmon have such a long, thin, flat tail is because it's where it got squidged. Because they've been yanked. Because they've been yanked. Okay. Then the trickster is caught. Now, he doesn't try and shape change again. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. The gods basically celebrate their victory. Yeah. Put the net away. And half of them take Loki to a nearby cave. And the other half go for Navi and Vali, which are Loki's two sons. Okay. By a lady goddess called Sigyn. And they are his two boys. Hmm. And this is where things probably get quite excessive. Because the gods turn Vali, one of the brothers, into a wolf. Right. And he immediately sets on his brother and rips his throat out and kills him. Yowch. Yowch. And then Vali as wolf runs off towards Jotunheim and is not seen. Okay. Again, that's that's his part in the tale over. Mm. So the gods finish Vali as wolf's work and they cut Narvi's stomach open and remove all of his intestines. Hence the spaghetti. Hence the spaghetti. Okay. Don't do spaghetti. Yeah. And they take really missing them bunnies about now. Yeah, they take the coiled intestines back to the cave. Yeah. Now there are some variations. There's a one understanding has it that they bring both brothers to the cave, and one understanding has it that the the killing happens elsewhere and just the intestines are brought back to the cave. Okay. And they find three rocks. There's that three. Again, three chances to catch the salmon, three rocks. Okay. And they drill holes through these three rocks and they set them up on end. And they use his own son's intestines to tie Loki to the three rocks. That? Yeah. It's a bit out there. Is... Yeah. Carry on. It's kind of like... A bit much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not done. You can go off some gods. I know you can. I know you can. They're not done. Skadi, mountain goddess. Mm -hmm. We know her. She who likes clean feet. Indeed she does. And and righteous vengeance. And and laughing on her wedding day. Yeah. All of that. She brings 
a really, really big, gnarly snake into the cave. And she ties it up against a stalactite above where Loki's laid out and pinned. Okay. And this snake, you can probably say, is just as foul-tempered right now because it starts dripping snake venom and spitting. And this poison falls onto Loki. Ew. Yeah. Is Loki still a fish at this point, though? No. Okay. He's a human being. All right. Um, and when... Or humanoid. Yeah-ish. When the gods came for his two sons, his wife, Sigyn, joins in and she starts lamenting not only what's happened to her sons, but what's also happening to her husband. Yeah. So she gets takes a bowl... And she shields Loki's face from the snake spitting poison, venom. Okay. And she stays there holding the bowl until it becomes full. Hmm. And when the bowl, she takes the bowl away to empty it so that she can fill it again, the poison lands on him. Right. And he basically, in his spasms, in his shudders, in his absolute fever of snake poison... Hmm. He makes the whole world shake. The whole of Midgard okay. quakes because of that. Hmm. Um, because he's a god. And... Because he's a god and he's been tortured by other gods. Yeah. It's quite a, a strange tale in a way because, I mean, you have a lot of funny tales in the myth cycle. You have some utterly hilarious ones which we've covered before. Yeah, yeah. This one... Not so funny. Not so funny. I mean, I like a dose of black humour, don't get me wrong. But yeah. this is a bit too black even for me. I'm not busting a gut on this one. No, he did. Thank you. You're welcome. Ow. <laughs> just, just some <laughs> flowers, just a few flowers. <laughs> Maybe a squirrel. Yeah, no. I like squirrels. <laughs> no, uh, not in this one. <sighs> so, what you have are a married couple. Now, Sigyn stays with Loki and keeps the poison off his face mm. until basically the, the the tale ends with saying by saying this is the way that things will stay until the Ragnarok starts. Wow. So it's an undisclosed amount of time between him being put on those rocks and sailing his his boat made of toenails yeah. at the beginning of the Ragnarok. So that's why we leave them. Yeah, basically. And Sigyn, I don't think she's heard of again. To be continued. Yeah, only dot, she's, dot, dot. she's not. No. Her, you know, her, her sons have gone. Her husband is being punished. And the only thing, the only recourse left to her is to try and mitigate that punishment as best she can. For like ever. To stay loyal to her husband. Yeah. And try and ease the pain that he's in. Yeah. And at what point in all of that? I mean, there's no question. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a very judgmental person, obviously. You know, I tend to... I have, a, I have the kind of brain that likes to look for, bi- uh, you know, I was going to say binary decisions. And absolutes. I, I, I like absolutes. Yeah. I like, you know... If, when I'm watching a film or whatever, I want to know who's the goodies and who's the baddies. And, and it's very, very difficult in this modern age of, 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 of sort of gritty realism and yes. so forth. As good as, 
thing, you know, films and TV uh, can be. But this... It's very difficult because heroes are always... Squeaky clean. No, that's the thing. They're not. <laughs> I mean, you can They're look a little bit morally ambiguous nowadays, I think. I mean, I look at something like my uh, one of my favourite shows is Battlestar Galactica, the, mm. the, the, the remake from a few years ago. There's very few people in Battlestar who are goodies. Mm. But at the same time, there's very few people who are baddies. They've people are... all done... They just all make decisions. Yeah. And you, there is no good and bad because the, the whole situation is... What's good at one time is then not good afterwards. That's right. So somebody makes a decision which, sitting in the comfort of my armchair watching the telly, I, can, I would never have done that. Yeah. But the truth is I don't know. No. And it's, it's very much the same with this. I mean, I, I look at this story, I look at the story of what happens to Baldur. Yeah. And my brain goes, well, Loki's the bad guy there. Because he's, for, for no discernible reason... That I, can, that I can figure out. He decided for a laugh he was going to have one of the gods killed. And he picked one of the, you know, one, the, the golden boy. Yeah, he did pick golden boy. Yeah. Um, maybe that was why. You know, that's... Yeah, maybe. because Loki never has a hall. No. He doesn't have lands. He doesn't have a domain. He just has the ability to change shape and to be incredibly cunning. Mm. Quick thinking... Uh, to have potential for whichever way that goes. Mm. So I can sit and watch what he does to Balder and think he's the bad guy. Mm. He's clearly the bad guy. You know, there's no, there's no two ways about it. There's, there's absolutely no sympathy for him whatsoever. He put himself in that position. You know, when you were saying about uh, he builds a hall with doors at each in each wall, so he can see people. Yeah. And he probably feels very alone and very scared and very, you know. Yes. And yes, he does. But there's, you are. As we've you know we've talked about before, you're a very empathic mm-hmm. sort of person. Whereas my immediate instinct to that is, well, he put he did that to himself. You know, he didn't have to. Yeah. He didn't have to do what he did. This is just the consequences of what he did. But then you start telling me what happened what, to him. What they do to him. Yeah. And there's a point where you just go, you know, all right, while he's while he's the fish and they're chasing him <clears> about, <throat> and you know they're they're yeah. gonna they're gonna almost a little bit of comedy action, but not yeah, quite. Yeah. yeah, nearly touching on comedy action. And then what they do to his sons. Yeah. I mean, even at that point, I was going, no, that's not that's too much. That's not proportionate. And then when you, uh, you know, when you described the the the, the poison and the and the and the you know what they bound him with. Yes. And I'm like, no, that's just so straight away. My 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 sort of uh, sort Black of one or, one or zero brain. brain that I've got is trying to go. But, but is he a good guy now, or is he? What does this make? And now he's the victim. Yeah. Being unfairly punished, victimized. <laughs> yeah. Does that? But that makes him the good guy, and it makes them the bad guys. And I'm confused. I oh, know this is. It's quite a tale. Mm. And if you bear in mind then that this comes. Before the Ragnarok starts. But we don't know how long before. We don't know how long before, but this is kind of the prelude, if you like. This is why he stands on the side that he does at the Ragnarok. Yeah. This is These are the actions and the, the decisions that have led up to him, you know, going through the Ragnarok. And if you ask, if you look at the myth cycle, you'll probably... You know, look at it and think, well, it's the death of Balder that starts events tipping yeah. onto that path. That's when this character, the trickster, the great potential, goes from 
being quite mischievous, quite playful, a lot of laughter, even if it is a little bit dark in places. Yeah, yeah. But when you get to the point of the death of Balder, after that he becomes very malicious. Yeah. It becomes no humour at all. It becomes very serious. It becomes very almost overreactive, like you've got the death of Balder and then you've got this, and then you get the Ragnarok. So each of these is like the shocker coming up to the big season finale. Yes, I suppose so. I mean, these, these are all where the, the blows start, you know, you've play fought up to the death of Balder and then the blows start landing. Yeah. And you think, I can't think my way through this anymore. I don't know how, you know, these, these gods are doing what they're doing because I can't work out. But it's a problem we see constantly reflected in human relations as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, relations between peoples and nations and whatever. We, 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 we have a history you know, replete with situations where people have been fighting for so long, but every every blow has to be responded to with an equal or with an equal one. and more. <clears throat> yeah. So we end up with this pattern of escalation that just it nobody wants to sort of be the one to step back and say, no. let's just calm it down. I mean obviously I think by the point that the time they get to the death of Baldi, you can't neither and none of them can back down because it's too much to lose if they do. That's the problem. And I mean, you know, as I say, not to, not wanting to dwell too much on the real world, but I say the real world, the non-mythological world. But I mean, you know, there have been situations where, you know, people have, have driven it right to the wire. Yeah. And have managed to step back. We've been very lucky in that respect. We have. In this, they don't feel they can. No. It's a different... The society then has a different set of rules and the, the concept of losing honour mm. and being dishonoured is huge. Yeah. And this is a very, very armed society. Yes. <laughs> this is this is an armed society in a Surpri- different way than we are an armed society, but they... Surprising it's not more polite, really. Yes. <laughs> well, it has Moving a on. set of very intricate rules. We're British. We don't understand. Just pity us and move along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It has... I mean, Viking society has a very hu- a huge set of very intricate rules mm. that govern the application of violence. Yeah, and when where it is it is permissible to be violent, even though everybody is trained in weaponry and has access to weaponry, and you know, teenagers and kids can get their hands on weaponry and are indeed expected to train in it. Yeah, and to learn it, and to have you know, handle sharp objects from a very young age, you can understand that that's very much a different mentality to the one we have now. You, but you still follow the rules. Yeah, the, the socially acceptable rules that run alongside it mm. are imprinted, they're ingrained, they're very, very strict. Yeah. When and where violence is acceptable against somebody else. Mm. But with the death of Balder, that starts disintegrating. And it starts changing and it starts getting more of this kind of violence escalation yeah. pattern until you get to, you know, this being one of the, the big events on the way to the Ragnarok starting. Yeah. Lovely listeners, whether you view the trickster as potential and change or whether you view him as an oathbreaker, a nithing, a coward, however you view him. Can I view him as Tom Hiddleston, please? You can. Thank you. Do you want a moment? No, I'll... No, it's fine. Okay. Carry on. Just (laughs) asking. It's the suit. I know. It is the suit. (laughs) However you view this figure, 
what happens to him in this story, whether you view it as justified, over the top, not enough, too much. Yeah. It's part of this this cycle of events on the way to the Ragnarok, the end of days. Is it fair to say that it's possible the story we're looking at is a metaphor for something specific? It's possible. Because it... I don't know, it's just... It is... I mean, some of the... Some of the imagery there is is very striking in terms of the animals that are involved. You've got the fish, you've got the snake, you've got the poison, you've got the bowl. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got the, the, the... She has to keep going and emptying the bowl and, and, and there's the earthquake. You know, it's all very, it's all very specifically designed or it seems specifically, specifically designed. Yeah. And I just, I just wonder whether, you know, a lot of it is essentially symbolic. It's possible. One of the one of the the big problems I've always found with Abrahamic tradition, specifically Christian tradition, uh, whenever I've ended up discussing prophecy in Christian terms, and then, you know, you, so you look at, for example, the Book of Revelation is the is the key one, uh, where yeah, people a that's, lot of that's a trip. It certainly is, and a lot of people will say, oh well, you know, the beast means this, and the the the, the, <clears throat> the whore of Babylon means that, and. Mm. The seven crowns mean something else, and the mark of the beast means whatever. Mm. You know, and, and everybody will have a particular interpretation, but it always strikes me that, you know, we are 2,000 years-ish, give or take, on from when that was written. And if, as some people suggest, it was written as a sort of a political commentary, if you like, you know, you've, we've lost an awful lot of the cultural context that yeah. would be needed to understand what to was being it. said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So just, it's... I mean, it is possible that it is more of a metaphorical imagery. It uses a lot of things that the Vikings would have been very familiar with. They're very familiar with fishing with nets. Mm. They're very familiar with bowls. They're probably quite familiar with salmon, because yay, salmon. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the Celts were big on salmon, weren't they? The Celts were whole with the, sam- with the fish of knowledge thing right. going on. We say Celts, obviously. Celts, asterisk. Yeah, Celts, complicated. Or, or local tribe and tribes and nations yeah which we now refer to as the celts complex indeed they're using very familiar things in this story the house with the four doors mm. houses viking halls one door okay so you're making four yeah. <laughs> yeah. what's that all about because you know it's suddenly this is very specific detail that he's making a, a, a house a very small shelter with ways that he can see everywhere so that he can watch everybody coming because and is that just a symbol of his understanding that it's when and not if mm. and it's just manifesting physically into the story i guess so there's a whole lot of ways you can pull this apart mm. and i love being able to pull it apart it makes for a good story it does make for a good story if you can analyze it afterwards but for now lovely listeners that's probably coming close to the end of this episode let us know how you see this story hmm. let us know how you interpret his character at this point in the myth cycle what you think about what's going on here it'd be interesting to read some yeah. interpretations certainly yeah, and, and just have a bit of a natter about them and if you do you want to find us online my name's suzanne martin you can find me on facebook and on twitter and if you want to talk to me, um, my the best approach is to find me at glassrain.net, which is my shabby website, and my... <laughs> it's not shabby. 
selfie. <laughs> <laughs> and my social media accounts, such as they are, are linked from there. Okay. Well, lovely listeners, we will leave you pondering around the virtual campfire. Panda, panda, panda. And we will say goodbye for now, and we'll talk to you all again in episode 46. Looking forward to it. See you then. It's been lovely. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.